Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, MT Sex Scandal, the recordings. Tonight, I have a very important announcement for listeners to this program. Radio Free Mormon has been engaged for two years in intensive litigation with the BYU Police Department to obtain copies of the recordings that they made related to their investigation of Joseph Bishop for sexual assault at the Missionary Training Center in 1984. I am happy to announce that I have been successful in obtaining those recordings, and I am releasing those recordings simultaneously in three separate parts today, April 7th, 2020. To put this in context and to help you understand the recordings that will follow, in late November and early December of 2017, McKenna Denson personally confronted Joseph Bishop, former MTC president, with allegations of sexually assaulting her when she was a sister missionary at the MTC back in 1984. McKenna Denson recorded that conversation. Within the one-hour meeting that McKenna Denson had with Joseph Bishop, I think it is fair to say that he did not admit to raping McKenna Denson in the basement of the MTC, as she alleges. However, he did make a number of incriminating statements. He did admit to some sort of sexual impropriety with McKenna Denson, and he also admitted to potential sexual impropriety with another sister, missionary, at the MTC at the time. The recording of that conversation was leaked to the world on March 21st, 2018. And after that recording was leaked, I managed to get myself neck deep not only in the investigation of the case, but trying to parse out the cover-up in which I believed and continue to believe the LDS Church was engaged to suppress these recordings coming to light. Immediately after this initial recording was leaked and made public at Mormon Leaks, a number of media outlets and other persons made public disclosure requests to the BYU Police Department in order to get a copy of the police reports and in order to get any other information that they may have collected as part of their investigation. BYU PD did not repeat, did not release any recordings that they made of their investigation. Instead, they released a heavily redacted version of the nine-page police report that was generated by the BYU PD as part of their investigation. Part of the redactions that were made had the effect of hiding the fact that when BYU PD detectives drove to Arizona to personally interview and interrogate Joseph Bishop at his home in Arizona in early December of 2017, that they had recorded that interview. However, in one of their initial disclosures of the police reports, the line in the report saying that interview was recorded was not redacted. It was in subsequent versions of the redacted police reports that were issued to the press and to yours truly, Radio Free Mormon, that that particular line was also redacted, in other words, blacked out, in an obvious effort to hide the fact that they had recorded the interview with Joseph Bishop. So in other words, in the initial early disclosure of those police reports to Mormon leaks, that line about the interview with Joseph Bishop being recorded was not redacted. We could see that it was recorded, but it was in subsequent releases of those same police reports that that line was redacted, so we could not read it was recorded. It appeared that in the early disclosure to Mormon leaks, it was inadvertently revealed that the interview had been recorded and that in subsequent disclosures of the same police reports to other people, that line was redacted in an apparent effort to hide the fact it was recorded. After it became apparent that number one, the interview with Joseph Bishop was recorded and number two, the BYU PD was trying to hide that fact, I made my own public disclosure request to the BYU Police Department asking for a copy 
of that audio recording. Following the steps outlined in the Public Disclosure Act in Utah, which is called GRAMA, G-R-A-M-A, the Government Records Access and Management Act, I made my first request to the custodian of records at the BYU PD, Lieutenant Stephen Messick. Lieutenant Messick denied my request for a copy of the recording. I then appealed that denial to the chief of police of the BYU PD. The chief of police similarly denied my request for the recording. I then appealed that decision to the Utah State Records Committee. And last summer, that would be the summer of 2019, we had the hearing in front of the Utah State Records Committee and prevailed. In other words, the Records Committee said that the BYU PD did have to give me a copy of that recording. But that was not the final word on the issue because the BYU PD, instead of complying with the order of the committee, appealed that order to the district court in Utah. The primary argument of the BYU PD as to why they did not have to release the recording to me was that the BYU PD was not a public agency and therefore was not subject to the requirements of the Public Disclosure Act in Utah. Now, another case involving the very same issue was already headed up to the Utah State Supreme Court. And so by agreement of the parties, we took our case and we parked it, we stayed it in the district court level pending a decision from the Utah Supreme Court on the same issue as to whether the BYUPD was in fact subject to grammar. In the meantime, I have been engaged in protracted negotiation and mediation with the attorney for the BYUPD. We have had multiple meetings with the mediator for the Utah State Records Committee. Now, the mediator is a position at the Utah State Records Committee. It is not a person who is on the committee. Instead, it is a person who serves as a mediator between parties. If parties have a conflict and a dispute as to what should be released and what should not be released under the Public Disclosure Act of Utah, i.e. GRAMA, the mediator sees that she can bring those parties together and come up with a resolution that is mutually agreeable. If that is able to be done, then the matter does not have to proceed any further in litigation. And that is what has happened in this case. There has been extensive discussion and meetings of the parties with the mediator, and those discussions and meetings have finally resulted in BYUPD releasing the audio recordings related to the police investigation of Joseph Bishop. It is those recordings that I will be releasing today at 2 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. Because according to the terms of the agreement that the parties have hammered out, it is at 2 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time on April 7, 2020, today, that those recordings become public information. Now the question may be asked, and it's a good question, why did it take two years to get BYUPD to release the recordings of their investigation into Joseph Bishop. I will tell you from my perspective that I have been doing criminal law and practicing in this area for 30 years now, and this is, to my knowledge, unprecedented. It should not have taken two years, in my opinion, for the BYUPD to finally release the recordings that they made of the interview with Joseph Bishop, and as it turns out, additional recordings pertaining to that investigation. I'll get to that here in a second. But the reason it should not have taken so long is because these recordings should have been made available two years ago. Under normal circumstances, I believe that any police department, and I've dealt with a number of public disclosure requests with various police departments prior to this, but I believe that under normal circumstances, a police department would have released not only their police reports, which would be redacted by the way, but not extensively redacted, not entire pages and not entire paragraphs redacted as happened initially in this case, but with redactions that are provided for under the Grama statute. 
redactions that remove the name of potential witnesses and any information regarding those witnesses, such as their address, such as their phone number, that might be used in order to identify them. As I say, this is something that happens all the time with public disclosure requests. And similarly, these recordings, which were part and parcel of the police investigation, these recordings should have been released two years ago with the redactions that are simply made in order to remove the names of persons who are not parties to this investigation. And that is what has been done here. The recordings that I have obtained are complete recordings However, they have been redacted pursuant to the Grandma Statute, and they have been redacted in relatively minor ways and appropriate ways in order to remove the names of persons who are not parties to this investigation. For instance, the second victim that was identified by Joseph Bishop, the victim that he admitted to sexual improprieties with who was not McKenna Denson, her name has been redacted from the recordings. And you will note as you listen to these recordings that there are places where there are edits in the recording and it is clear from the context that those are edits to remove the names of other non-party witnesses and victims. Joseph Bishop's name is included, McKenna Denson's name is included because they are parties to the investigation. But once again, the question arises as to why it took two years and the involvement of lawyers and protracted litigation in order to get these recordings from the BYUPD. Now, I do not know the answer to that. However, I do have an opinion as to why that is. And my opinion is based upon the fact that the very same attorneys who represent BYUPD in giving them advice as to what to release and what not to release to the public as part of public disclosure acts related to this case are the same attorneys who at one and the same time represent BYU itself. Now BYU, as you know, is a wholly owned subsidiary of the LDS Church. Leaders of the church sit on the board of directors. What happens at BYU is directed by the leadership of the church. It is a private university. It is owned and operated by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in this case, we have a situation where a former employee of the LDS Church is under investigation for a criminal act. An investigation which, if true, would subject BYU and the LDS Church to potential civil litigation and potential liability. So, whereas the interests of BYUPD in responding to a public disclosure request is to follow the law outlined in the Grandma Statute and fully and appropriately respond to that public disclosure request, the interests of BYU and the LDS Church in this situation are different, markedly different. The interests of BYU and the LDS Church are to keep hidden information contained in the police reports and investigation that could potentially subject BYU and the LDS Church to liability in this investigation. That is why I consider it highly problematic that the same attorneys representing BYUPD and giving them advice as to what to disclose and what not to disclose are the same attorneys representing BYU who has a completely different set of interests as to what the BYUPD should disclose and what they should not disclose. It is these conflicting interests and the fact that the same attorneys are representing both BYUPD as well as BYU in this matter that I believe have resulted in the extremely unorthodox redactions that occurred in the initial set of police reports and also the redactions that hid the fact that the police interview with Joseph Bishop was itself recorded. Now, even though it was the recording of that interview with Joseph Bishop by BYUPD that I initially sought, as things have progressed behind the scenes through the mediator, it has come to light that there are additional recordings that were obtained by the BYU Police Department, and I am going to be releasing 
all those recordings today in three separate episodes. Each episode will be approximately one hour, and that's why I'm doing it in three episodes. If I did it in one episode, it would be about three hours long. And I want to do it in three episodes, not only to make it easier to listen to, but also easier to locate which recordings are played in which episode. Now, this recording, episode number one, will contain a recording of McKenna Denson reporting her allegations to the BYU Police Department. Now, it was clear that after McKenna Denson had confronted Joseph Bishop and recorded her conversation with him, that she took that to the BYU Police Department to make her initial allegation and her criminal complaint. What was not known at that time, at least by me, was the fact that BYU Police Department recorded that approximately one hour long contact, that initial contact that they had with McKenna Denson in which she reports her allegations against Joseph Bishop. It is that recording that will be played here in episode number one of this podcast. The second recording that we have obtained here at Radio Free Mormon will be played in episode two. That is the recording of the police interview with Joseph Bishop when they drove down to his house in Arizona in order to confront him and interview him regarding the allegations made by McKenna Denson. Once again, Joseph Bishop does not admit to the specific allegations made by McKenna Denson. However, he does admit to other sexual misconduct with her and sexual misconduct with a second sister missionary at the MTC back in 1984. Finally, in the third podcast, there is a collection of three additional recordings which I will be releasing. Those recordings are number one, a telephone call that BYUPD made to McKenna Denson after their interview with Joseph Bishop and after driving back from Arizona to Utah. The second recording in episode three will be a thank you call from McKenna Denson to the BYU Police Department after she has learned that the statute of limitations on her criminal allegations against Joseph Bishop had expired. And she wants to thank the BYU PD for their courtesy and their professionalism in investigating this case. The third and final call on episode three is a follow-up phone call that BYU PD made to Joseph Bishop. Joseph Bishop had called the BYU PD and left a message for them that he wanted to say more in addition to the original interview that BYUPD had with him. BYUPD returns the phone call on December 5th, and part three of episode three is the recording of that phone call. It is in that recording that Joseph Bishop makes it absolutely clear that he admits to doing something sexually inappropriate with McKenna Denson. However, he denies that it rose to the level of actual rape. So once again, this is a very big day at Radio Free Mormon. After two years, we have finally succeeded in obtaining the audio tape that we were seeking. And in addition to that, we obtained multiple other audio tapes from the BYUPD. I think that as you listen to these audio tapes, you will find them very interesting, not only for what is said, but for what is not said, and also for how it is said by all parties concerned. The two-year effort to obtain these audio recordings has cost a great deal of time and effort on the part of Radio Free Mormon. It is time and effort that I think is well spent, and it is certainly time and effort that has not been compensated for me from any source. I have not been representing any party or representing any interests other than my own and those of the public in getting these recordings and making them public. I hope that if you appreciate this time and effort, you will make a contribution to Radio Free Mormon today. Just go to RadioFreeMormon.org and please make a monthly contribution, $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever you can afford. Your contribution will keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. So here is the very first recording, which is the recording of McKenna Denson initially making her criminal complaint 
regarding Joseph Bishop to the BYU Police Department in early December of 2017. Play the tape. Okay, we're here with McKinnon. Um, we are at it's 8:50 on December 4th, 2017. Are you still? Are you recording, Bob? Yes. I'm okay. All right. So what? Um, I don't. I, Bob will just kind of. We'll just kind of tag team it. You know, That's see fine. if he thinks of things. Bob knows a, a lot more than I do. Okay. So just I guess start the the beginning of you know, why we're here. Why we're here. Um, a year ago, I talked to my state president um, and shared with him what happened in the MTC. Most of it. I didn't share the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I never shared the whole thing. Do I need to talk louder? Might have just been a brief little... Oh, a little pause. Yeah. Okay. Um, I never really shared the whole story with anyone that I'm aware of. Um, with some friends, but not, I, I just felt like the sexual assault was enough. Anyway, I, um, I told President about the sexual assault. I told him about the basements. So was that out here? In, yes, yes. In, is he currently still the, pres the state president? Yes. Okay, how do you spell his last name? All right. Do you know his first name? I think, but I, I, I don't know. I can give you his number. Okay. If you want a cell number. Just we'll get to that. Okay. Okay. So you so you, you told President. I did. I told him about the basement, about um, him tearing my blouse and ripping my skirt. Um, I didn't tell him about any penetration. I didn't. I didn't complete the interview really. I just oh. wanted to know what happened. Was there a church court? Um, did he admit it? Was he excommunicated? You know, what's he doing now? Does he still have access to young women? Um, and that was about a year ago, and I've not heard anything since. Um, so, about a week ago, I, I don't know what happened. I just decided, you know what, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. It's been 33 years, and I have no information. I have no, no closure. I have no, other than President was saying, gee, I'm sorry that happened to you. I, I didn't even know if I, I was believed. In fact, I, I kind of felt like nobody believed me. So I called, let's see, who did I call? I called the, the uh, I called the MTC to see if they had any information on President Bishop um, having- That was last week? Um, I believe it was. Actually, I have it in my email because I typed it all up. Oh, you emailed the MTC or did you no, call? No, I called. They had no information on Who did him. you talk to? Some receptionist. Oh. So she gave me the information to call Salt Lake. And I called several numbers who transferred me finally to a kid named... He probably wasn't even a kid. You sounded like a kid on the phone. I was worried you were like 20. I'm so relieved to see you guys have experience. Anyway, um, I told that um, that he had been my mission president and I was just kind of trying to get in touch with him and he said, yeah, he's married to a woman named and he lives in Chandler, Arizona and, and um, I said, thank you. 
I, I, he may have given me his home address. I don't recall. Because I don't have my email in front of me. And his door was from church headquarters? He was from church headquarters, but it was more um, like the... I don't know. I've got his number, though. I, I, I don't remember what department he was in. I was transfer, transferred many times. Um, but yeah, he told me he was still alive and he was living in Chandler, Arizona, and he gave me his address. I believe he gave me his address. So I looked his address up on the church website to find out what ward and what stake he would be in. Um, then I got directions to his house, and then I called the missionaries in his ward, and I said, you guys remember, or is there a guy in your ward named Brother Bishop who served as a mission president? And he's like, well, we have a Joe Bishop, but, and then his companion in the background said, he, he asked his companion, he says, yeah, he served two missions. He was mission president in Argentina and also at the MTC. I said, yeah, that's the guy. Well, I'm really trying to reach him. Do you have, I, it may have been the missionary that gave me his address. I don't recall, but he did give me a cell phone number. Okay. His name was, bless him. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back. You, you mentioned 33 years ago. Mm-hmm. And a president bishop. Yes. Do you know his first name? Joseph. Joseph Bishop. Joseph Layton Bishop the okay. second. And what happened 33 years ago? Well, the first day I got the MTC, there were either 1,200 or 1,500 missionaries that came in the same day I did, January 1984. So January of 1984, you arrived at the MTC. Yes. Okay. And I came alone. I had no family. I was a convert. Um, that very first day, he called on me to bear my testimony out of the crowd. I felt very special. Um, and then the next time the missionaries met, and it may have been the next day, he asked me to give the opening or the closing prayer. I don't remember. And I felt very, very special. Um... I don't remember the sequence of events really. I can just tell you that there was an incident where there were three other sisters in his office with me. There were three of us, four of us all together. And he started talking about um, asking mm -hmm. questions about our backgrounds and um, we all of us seem to have come from either broken families and abuse or we all we all had abuse in common um i'm sorry like um psychological abuse sexual abuse yes or a physical abuse or all a of, it. of everything okay. we all had either part or all of that yeah And he, um, he wanted us to know that we were special and that the Lord loved us and that we were called specially to have those experiences in life. And that they would make us stronger. And I don't recall too much about any more of that. There was another incident where... Um, 
it was just, and he told me her last name in the tape um, was, um, I just remember this, I remember, even now I just have to laugh because she, she told this story about this, she went to the prom with this guy and she fell asleep on his shoulder in the car and she drooled all over his tux. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, oh my gosh, I would never admit that <laughs> if that happened. I didn't have the self-confidence to admit that. I couldn't laugh at myself. Um, it turns out from talking to uh, Joe Bishop that he got money from church headquarters to have a counselor come in to talk to women who were like us, broken, abused, had some psychological trauma or needed some kind of counseling um, in that area before they went into the mission field. Um, he said that she stayed at the MTC. Now, where'd you get this information from? Him. Okay. Directly. All right. All right. At the MTC. And then a counselor was called in. At his room. home. At his home. Okay. And something happened there. Okay. He didn't go into great detail. And did she later go on a mission? Or was no. It just kind of, okay. She never did. As far as I know, she never did. <clears throat> but you'll hear about that yourself. Okay. Um, okay, so there was a time where he, where he told me that he liked his wife to um, provide a private dinner for he and his wife. So, okay. Let's, so we don't get confused. Is this something that you'd learned at the MTC in 84? Or is this from... Which part? The, about his wife that he's talking about. Oh, no, he told about. me this directly at the MTC. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So anything else... I'll, make, I'll try to make it clear. Yeah, okay, just, yeah. So anything that you learned... Later? Later. Just leave that out. Okay. So You'll just... you care about it. Yes. <laughs> it, so okay. anything, yeah, anything that happened at the empties that you recall... Okay. I recall, yeah. I recall him having this group and I together mm -hmm. in, in his office several times. The only time I remember the conversation, other than I know that we talked about abuse, sexual abuse, what kind of abuse, um, the level and degree of the sexual abuse was there. After a while, just wasn't there anymore. <clears throat> Pardon me. And the two sister missionaries that were there in that first meeting where there were four sisters and president, um, I never saw them again. And so I'm not... Just that one time. Yes, sir. And I don't know if it's because they left the MTC and were sent on their mission or if they were wise young women and said, mm -hmm. okay, this is creepy. I'm not coming back. Um... At one meeting at the MTC, when I was called out of my class, trust me, I didn't learn any Spanish. Um, he, I don't remember the situation, but I do remember that he told me that he liked it when his wife had a private dinner with him, candlelight, and that she had this blouse or a dress. Um, I, I pictured it as a peasant blouse because it had some kind of elastic, and he said he liked it when... She pulled it down over her breast and exposed her breast when they had this private dinner. Um, he told me about a time where he and some other priesthood leaders went... 
he corrected me. I thought it was Wyoming. He said it was Utah to some either hot springs or a hot tub or someplace. And there was a woman or a girl that took off her bikini top. I don't remember anything else about the conversation. I think I, I may have shut down at that point. I don't know, but I do remember that. And he does go into that on the tape. Um, he did tell me a time or two, this is kind of insignificant, but that um, his marriage was sexless, that he had no intimacy with his wife. So these are one-on-one -on -one conversations that he's... These are one-on-one -on -one He's got you secluded in his office and he's telling you yes. these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I, I, don't, I don't recall any other real conversations like that that we had. Um, but he, one time he called me, you know, I was teacher's pet. I was president's pet. I was all kinds of names. Um, <laughs> so the other sisters were picking up on this? Well, my MTC teacher did. She was my MTC teacher. We got along really well for a while, and then we didn't. It's not like we didn't get along. She just sort of excluded me. Or I may have excluded myself. Um, I kind of closed up a little bit. And you said she was um, well, was kind of catching on to this, you always being pulled out or being the teacher's pad or? She never said it, but yes, she caught on and she she treated me differently. But in a I, good way or a negative no, way? not in a good way. Well, not in a hateful way either. Sure. Just sort of not understanding and well, I don't understand that, so I'm just gonna let that go came to the MTC and gave me a blessing um, in President's office, um, I had a toothache and I had to get a root canal. And so she, she asked, she said, oh, I asked him to come and, and he's going to take me to dinner too. So I get something out of it. And so we kind of laughed about it. He came and gave me a priesthood blessing and I went to the dentist and then the dentist did a root canal on the wrong tooth. Can you believe that? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Um, then the, the final thing that happened, and I, I honestly, I feel like there were more, not more, um, physical in incidents, but more, there was a lot of, he, he always tried to hug me. He never tried to kiss me at that point, but he always tried like to. Like when you would meet together, he'd like try to give you a hug or something. He like did. That. Every time I came in the room, he would give me a hug. Yeah. Um... But there was a, the, the incident is kind of what I call it. Um, I don't know when, what day this happened. Um, but I was called out of class and I went to his office and I don't remember the conversation extensively, but I do remember him saying something about, I want to show you this special place I have where I do pardon me, my um, preparing. I'm thinking, oh, wow, preparing. Okay. I thought it was kind of cool. 
Um, he had already at this point allowed me to go to the temple and write a letter to the daughter that I um, gave up for adoption. Um, anyway, so we went out of his office and we turned to the right and then we went down the right to a hallway and at the end of the hallway was a door. We went in the door and then I don't remember if we went down a lot of steps or a couple of steps, I don't remember, but he unlocked a small storage room door and escorted me inside and then turned the light on and in the door, inside the door, after he closed it and the light was on, there was a bed and um, a TV with a VHS combo and five tapes sitting on the table. This was a very small room. There was enough room for the bed, the little table, and just a little walkway, and I think maybe a little chair, like a steel go-to-school chair. Um, he talked to me for a little while. I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember being nervous. And then, he tried to kiss me and I pushed him away and he reached over and he pulled my blouse apart and he tore three of my buttons. This is my favorite blouse. I was really not happy about that. Um, he threw me down on the bed um, where we were both sitting anyway and he pulled my skirt up. He pulled my pantyhose down and my garments and I don't know at what point he became with his pants down, but he put himself on top of me and he didn't have a full erection. So I never thought of it as rape. I thought of it as sexual assault, but he entered, but he couldn't, he couldn't completely rape me because he didn't have a full erection. And I don't remember everything that happened after that, except I remember kicking him. I remember pulling my garments up and my skirt was torn and pushing him. Um, and I remember him saying, nobody will believe you. Um, and, I, and I remember going to my room. I don't remember how I got to my room, but I remember somebody, Somebody I didn't know, a female, came into my room, someone who worked, I believe, at the MTC, and and said, oh, everybody's looking for you. And I, I said that I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. And I stayed in bed for the rest of that day, maybe the next day. He continually tried to call me out of class, and I wouldn't go. Um, he would try to beckon me from the hallway, you know, when I'm... You know, we're either going to dinner or going to gym or going wherever we're going, and I would ignore him. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually have a conversation with him again that I remember, and I didn't tell anyone. Then I went on my mission. I was waiting for a visa in Colombia that we, um, we as Americans, were having um, 10 Americans killed for every one Colombian arrested on drug charges. So sisters in particular were not being allowed there. So I went to wait um, for something. 
I was set up in a threesome. Um, and I remember having an anxiety attack and I didn't know what it was. Um, but I told the sisters, I didn't want them to see me. I didn't want to have to explain. I, I wasn't even sure what I was feeling. So I lied and I said, I left my camera in the car and I need to go get it. We were in, in uh, some high rise apartment. Do you want to use mine? No, it's good. I just want to make sure it's still rolling. Oh, okay. No, it's good. Some high-rise apartment, um, living with some single sister. And so I went downstairs. They tried to stop me, but I, nah, I'm good. Got the keys, went downstairs. And I had, I think, a full-blown panic attack. And when I, I don't remember if they had to come find me or if I went back to the room, but I said, someone tried to rape me. And so they called the mission president and they sent me home for a little while. Not home, because I didn't have a home, but they sent me to some family in Utah, in Provo. Her who's, who's your mission president? At where? So you said the in, mission president? Yeah, my sisters called the mission president. His name was... So they sent me to this family named... Her name was... I don't remember his name. But I went to counseling once. I went to see this counselor. And he was, he was horrible. He was so arrogant. He was, all he did was talk about himself. And then he kept saying, you have a secret. You have a secret. And I'm like, damn right I have a secret, but I don't like you and I'm not telling you. So anyway, so I went back out in the mission field. I went to, um, that was the last, what I remember at this point, what happened in that basement is the last time I remember having any physical, non-physical, verbal contact. Um, I mean, I would see him, he would try to beckon me, I wouldn't go. So let's go back to the, um, the closet. Was it in a basement or was it on the main floor? It was on the main floor, and this is the part I'm not sure about. So it's on the main floor, and I'll kind of draw you a map. Yeah, if you could. Yeah, okay. If, if you could start with where the front lobby is. Okay, I'm going to have to do it this way because I'm, I may be somewhat ambidextrous, but I can't do it upside down. Okay, so this is the front of the MTC. This is the front doors. This is like the lobby okay. where the reception is. Okay, and then there was like this hallway. Okay. And then I'm not sure what all was over here, but his office was right here. Okay. So with this being his office and his door, we went out around and down the hallway and then there was a storage door there was a door right here how close um you know when you go down the hall there's several little halls and then you go out and exit there was Did no you know exit how far there was no exit there was no the exit mm -mm. so so it must be renovated since then and now. oh you went and it's not there why well, I, I have an office there oh you do oh crap yeah. okay so that, that could have been like where office was at. Um, That's what I'm thinking, are, are we? So we're down if this, this is reception. Way. This is our security office. Yeah, you guys are over here. This is the current president office right there. So down this hallway, I'm thinking, isn't that where... So down here is where they have like the district presidents. There's a couple halls and then these doors that exit yeah. out that side. Do you remember, not to put you know anything in your brain here, but uh -huh. anything over in this area? There was eating. Okay. Was over here somewhere. Okay, okay. yeah. 
and no, but, but the offices could have been reconfigured. So when you say the offices here, was the door that's, going into the main hallway? I believe it was, but I can't swear to it. And so you had to come out of his office and then yes. kind of, okay. Correct. And then you went not very far and right into... Like and and there room. was like a door. We went down the hall. I don't remember how far it was. I wasn't really... I didn't care. Sure. And then there was a, a door on the right, and I think we went downstairs. But did we go downstairs? I can't swear to mm -hmm. But whatever we went into, there was another room. Do you remember bathrooms? I don't... I, okay. I was only there once, and I wasn't given a tour. Okay. Th there is some small little network of little mini office and a little bathroom tucked back in here. Is so. it downstairs? Uh, I'm not aware of any... There's stairs right here. I don't know, as you drop down from the lobby, but... No, that's it's not those kind of stairs. But the one thing I don't know is if there's been any renovations. You know what? It doesn't matter. He admitted to it. Yeah, you're we're right. just... No, you're right. It doesn't matter, but yeah. we're just trying to get it... Because you're right. I mean, the way you have this set up is accurate. And this is still a cafeteria, so... Okay. Yeah, and that's still the front yeah. desk. Yeah, the it's still the same. This is where their offices are right now. Yeah. And the temple's over here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you end up in this, this little closet, and at that point you walk in, and you say at the time, you're, at some point you end up on the bed, sitting on the bed. Mm -hmm. It was like this. And you can have these papers if you like. So if, the room, if this is the room, we walked in the door, there was a twin bed right here. There was about just enough space right here to walk there was a, a desk like a it wasn't even a desk it was like a table like you would at church relief society table mm -hmm. and on that was the tv vcr combo with five tapes okay. that, that were homemade the only reason i know they're homemade they were not labeled but if you at that you know if you buy a vhs it's got you know the picture of the movie and the mm -hmm. label anyway yeah and over here was like this little steel chair that you would find anywhere. Sure. Okay. Like for school or whatever. Right. And that was it. This okay. was this was the room. Anything on the walls or I don't know. I wish I did. There was no pornography if that's what you mean. Well like shelves of I don't know. Books or I, I I don't know. So a twin bed like the not a cot, but a bed that was like maybe out of one of the dorm rooms or something? Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. All right, yes. so at some point, you, you walk in, and does he tell you to sit down, or what's that conversation? What gets you onto the bed to sit down? That was the only place to sit. Something was on the chair, and I was here. He had, he, he, I, we came in, and then he closed the door, and then, he, and then he turned on the light, and then he went around me. Okay. And then when I got up to leave, there was at one, I got to think here. I don't know. I don't know. So the, this little altercation when he goes to kiss you, or you, get, you and you said you're sitting on the bed at that yes, point. Yes. All right, so you guys immediately, you come in, you sit on the bed. We have a conversation. I don't know what the conversation was. Um, I wasn't terribly uncomfortable. I felt, I don't know, I, sh I was a little nervous when I saw that it was a room and a bed, but his demeanor was not flirtatious or sure anyway it doesn't matter 
Um, yes, I sat on the bed. Mm-hmm. And he sits down next to you? Yes. Or? Okay. He sat down next to me, and we had a conversation. And then he leaned over to kiss me, and I, and I pushed him away. And then he wasn't angry. He was never really angry. Mm-hmm. But he reached over, and he pulled my blouse apart. He didn't, like, undo the buttons. He just ripped it off. And then... He threw me down on the bed. He pushed me down on the bed, and he pulled my skirt up, and it was um, it was very tiny then, and it was just a little pencil skirt with a slit in the back, and, and the slit was ripped up to my fanny. Um, I just remember he pulled my pantyhose and my garments down, and I don't know at what point he became exposed. So, before we get to that point... So you're in a separate, it's a blouse and a skirt. Yes. Right? Blouse okay. and skirt. Mm-hmm. And so he physically, he uses both hands and yes. rips the blouse open. Yes. And then he forcibly puts you onto the bed. Well, Lays. I was already sitting on the bed. But right. yes, he threw as me he down. Threw, as you see, you know, so if he throws you down, yes. like did he put his hands on your shoulder or something else? To... He had my chest. He okay. bruised my chest. Oh, okay, there, there we go. So the chest is so he's he's got basically his hands and if I'm wrong with anything correct me. Okay. So the hands are in front of is in front of you on your chest. Yes. And then he pushes you forcefully yes. onto the bed. Okay. And at that point then he after you're you're on the bed, you're on your back. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls off your your skirt. No, he never pulled my skirt. So he never off. he never comes off. No, he tore it. He tore it. So okay. the back of my skirt was torn you know where the little the slit, slit. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh, see, it's torn. So he pulls off your pantyhose and garments, and then at the garments same time. at the same time. Just yeah. one. Whoosh. Do they come all the way off? No. Just down to how far? Past my knees. So past your knees. So they're still on your body, but they're they're down around your between your ankles and knees. Yes. Right. Okay. And then at some point, he. Exposes himself through his fly. Does he drop his pants? Do you remember? His pants were down. So his pants were at some point come down. Yeah. Like I, off or were they just I down? I don't think so. No, I think he even had his shoes on. Okay. So shoes on, pants down. Um, are his garments down? or is, yes. Okay. So garments are down. So do you see his penis? Yes. Okay. So you see it. And you say it, it wasn't fully erection. So let's go 100%. So zero being limp. Normal. 100% being a full-blown erection. Right. What, what percent would you say he's at? Oh, dear Lord. Um, I don't know. All I can tell you is he wasn't hard enough to go all the way in. But he was hard enough to go in some. Maybe about this far. So you're saying this far, we're on recording. So you're, oh, you're showing... A couple of inches. Two inches. Yeah. So there's got to be obviously some... Some level of some level of erection. Yes. Can you give Can you give me a percent? No, because I would okay. be lying and I would be. That's fine. Pretend, no. I would be acting like I'm, I have information I don't have. No, no, that's fine. I'm just trying. It's just kind of a ballpark I of totally how. Totally understand. Yeah, because if he's, if there's some penetration, obviously there's enough erection that he's able to, to penetrate two inches. Right. So, all right. So there's enough. It's, um, is he circumcised? Do you remember? Yes. So he is circumcised. Okay. And he penetrates you about two inches. How long does this go on for? 
he got in and I pushed him out. Okay. So and that was it. How um I pushed him, I kicked him, I got up, I pulled my pantyhose and garments back on all in one fell swoop. They weren't totally on, I'm sure, and I don't know how I left. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know if I, re you know, I can imagine, but I really don't even know if I had my shoes when I left. I don't know. I, I just remember leaving. Okay. And trying to get the hell out of there. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Okay. So then that was really other than he, you said he tried hugging you. Yes. This was really the first time that there was a, a kiss that was involved. Or that yes. was that, that kind of physical contact. Yes. Okay. He had the lingering hug, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. Kind of like my grandfather would do, but not quite so Yeah, much. not the little... Okay. No. Like so, mm -mm. what do you think... I know this is a long time ago, but what do you think the, the time frame was from the time that he opens up that door to that closet from the time that you're, you're leaving? What do you think? 40 minutes. So you're in there about 40 minutes we were in inside there. that room. Okay. Yeah, we were in, it's embarrassing, but yes, we were in there for a, yeah, we were in there for a while. The conversation was benign. Mhm. Mm and then it and then I don't know, I don't remember if the conversation ever became um sexual in nature. I mean, looking back now with the life experience I have, I can see how he was grooming sure. me, but I don't know. Here's what I don't know. And and he may or may not answer this. Did he go in there with the intention to have sex with me? Did he go in there with the intention of just seeing how far things could go? Or did he go in there with the intention of just raping me? I don't know. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Right. Either way, it doesn't matter. But I, I don't know what his intentions were. I know that he's secretive. I know that he was really good at what he did. Um, and I, there is no way that I was the first one or the last one. Did he mention anything to you that mm -hmm. that there were other women? Or yes. During this time? or was yes. this on the tape. Okay, so later. Mm -hmm. Okay, later in life. Okay. Um, so in there about 40 minutes, then you end up, you, you don't really remember getting out of there, but you, you all of a sudden you're back in your room, you're back in your dorm. Yes. And, and yes, the question I had, did I have my shoes on? Did I not? Did I, I, I mean, I imagine that I did, but I can't even answer that mm -hmm. in all honesty. Sure. Okay. okay. So yes, I'm back in my room. Mm -hmm. All right. So back in your room and you, you told others that you just weren't feeling well. And what did you do with that blouse and torn skirt? I threw them away. You just threw them away. They didn't go on your mission with you to repair. No. You just, they were gone. They were, okay. yeah. All right. How far would you say it was ripped, that skirt, when he tore it? Well, it was a very, it was a down below my knees kind of A-line skirt mm -hmm. with a slit in the sure. back. Pretty typical. If this is my fanny. It was gotcha. torn up to my fanny. Okay, so from the slit, it. from the natural slit, it was ripped. Up yes. to, to where your right up the scene. Your bum is okay. Cheap skirt. <laughs> um, and then your blouse. You said there was three buttons that that um, did it rip it or we just pop the buttons off. 
pop the buttons off. Okay. Did you throw it away that day or? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. No, that I, I know it's so. Uh, I'm not sure I even got out of bed that okay. day All after right. that. I, I. Now, when you say you were bruised on your breastbone, was there visible bruises? Yes. In the next couple days? Yes. Okay. Can you describe the, what they look like? Or how big or? Well, they were just dots, mm. you know? Um, but I had no breasts. I, I wore a padded bra. I had no boobs when I was 21 <laughs> years old. I had, I had barely started my period just a few years before that. I was a very slow developer. Um, he grabbed my breast at some time and squeezed them, and it really hurt. And I don't know if there were, I, I don't, was there bruising from that? I don't know. I think the bruising came from ripping my blouse and pushing me. So there was, I mean, this seemed, sounds like a pretty violent event. It was very fast. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. pretty, it was... Okay, the truth is, I grew up in a sexually violent family. My, my stepfather was violently sexually abusive. He cut my finger off when I was five because I said a bad word. He tried to get my hand and I pulled my hand away and all I got was tip my finger. And that was who? My yeah. stepfather. stepfather. He's dead a long time since. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is, what happened in that room did not have the same effect on me that it would have if nothing had ever happened to me. Mm. So to me, it was, it was traumatizing. It, most traumatizing was he was the mission president. Um, he was the highest ranking, kind of a civilian term, but he was the highest ranking priesthood holder I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. And he, he made me feel special and important, and I wasn't. But I thought I was. But had, I don't know if, the, if, if I would have been able to report it if um, nothing had ever happened to me. But I think I minimized it because of the childhood it came from. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. Okay. And I figured that a part of me just, well, part of me felt like it was my fault. And part of me, I think, decided that that's just how men are. Just the way the world is. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter if they're Mormon, not Mormon. Mm -hmm. They're all the same. So, so... I got a quick question on the part where... So you penetrated, and at that point you pushed him off. Yes. Um, when you were pushing him off and trying to get away, what was he doing? Trying to stay there. Trying to keep me... Okay, so was he physically trying to restrain you and yes. you were trying to leave? And how was he doing that? With his hands. So he was like... On my shoulders. On your shoulders holding you down while you were trying to... Mm -hmm. How long did it take you, do you think, to free yourself? Or did he finally then just stop trying he, to hold He you? finally stopped. I don't know how long it took. Um, but that's when he told me that nobody would believe me. And at that point, he allowed you to leave. Yes. So he told you that nobody's going to believe you. Mm -hmm. What are the type of things? Was he saying anything else? I mean, he's, uh, obviously he's being very physical. Is yes. he being verbally controlling? No. Or, so no. it's more physical than it is. Physical, and I think he felt entitled. Okay. Well, at least that's how it felt. I don't know what he was thinking. That's pure speculation on my okay. part. Yeah. But that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... 
you have a, a, a breakdown, a mental breakdown, and so you come home, you go to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever go back out on your mission after that? Yes, I went to Okay, oh, so you went, that's right, you go to So was this ever reported to law enforcement? No. Before I got married, and this was about four years later, I talked to my um, my bishop. I don't even know if he's alive anymore, bless him. And that was um, where at, what state? Utah. What, um, he, he was in Orem. It was a BYU ward. So all BYU ward. So it was the mm-hmm. okay. Um, we became very close. He and I and his family. In fact, his daughter came and lived with me and my husband um, and our baby. She was a baby then. In for for a while. Um, yes, he reported. I don't know. He. I believe he just went up that proper chain of command and told the state president. Um, and it wasn't long after that that came and talked to me and I admitted everything except the penetration I couldn't even he came down to from Salt Lake to, to Utah uh, to Pro, to um, Orem or Provo where did you meet where, where was the interview I don't remember probably like a church church building or yeah something. it certainly wasn't okay was he, was he the uh, member of the 70 I believe he was. Right, okay. All right. And this was spurred by what you had told? Yes. Okay. So he contacted you then. He then called you. And that's how he set the interview up with secretary or? I don't know. Uh, it could have been set up through my bishop. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Was your husband aware of it? <laughs> yeah. He was. So you told him? Yeah. He okay. said I shouldn't pursue it. I shouldn't. Oh, okay. So he was... Mm-hmm. But I pursued it anyway. I I thought, though, I have to say this. This is, this is a terrible excuse, but I really felt like going through the church authorities was the appropriate way to handle it. Mm-hmm. I felt like, even though I knew what happened, I felt like if... If that situation were exposed, that um, a lot of people's testimonies would shake. Wait, mission presidents don't do that. That anyway, I feel differently now. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you were you were married uh, <clears throat> uh, before you went to talk to him? No, okay. he was my bishop while I was engaged. While you were engaged, and single. okay, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, then. When you got married. I told my husband before we were married. Oh, I see. When you were engaged. Yes. Okay. And at that point, did he then discourage you not to? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, time goes on. So after you talk to... Do you you, you ever talk to anybody about it again? And that would have been... Oh, yeah. What, that was what, 88. That maybe? was an 88. You talked to him. Mm-hmm. So an 88. Okay, so you talked to him. And then just kind of give us, you know, now chronologically what happens. So you're married in 88, right? That's I about the same so. time, right around that same yeah, time. Yeah, it was right around that same time. Okay. And what did he say that was going to happen? He said he was going to investigate and get back to me. Did he say with... The police with traffic, no. or just he said he would investigate. He would investigate. Yeah, my my understanding was that it was all being handled through the church. Okay. Nobody ever mentioned law enforcement. 
Did he mention he was going to call you back? Or yes. No? He was going, well, he was going to get back to me. Okay. And he never did. Never did. Okay. Mm-mm. So time went on. We moved after we got married. Um, we were there, I don't know, a couple, three years maybe. I don't know. Returned to the States, got divorced. So right back, as soon as you got back, you got divorced? Well, yeah, pretty much. Or at least we separated at that point. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your uh, ex-husband's name? Is he a good dude? No. Okay. Uh, he's not a bad guy, um, but he, you know, he was bad. We were, we were active missionaries. Until we were introducing people to church and, and having baptisms. On on your own or on our own? Okay, it wasn't like a mission no. called to serve. It was. No, okay. but I found that he was sleeping with these women that we were baptizing. Oh, okay, was, okay. Anyway. Now, so when we got divorced, he, or when, when he came home to confess, in, in, I, I was walking around my house going, I don't need details. I don't need to know. I just, I, you were unfaithful, that's enough for me. There were 14 women. He just kept purging. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so now he swears there were only four, but it doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. So you guys are divorced, so 88, you're we're in the 91, early 90s, 91, 92, when you divorce? Roughly. Okay, so do you, so who's the next person after, who's the next person that, that you, I spoke to? Yeah. A bishop, I can't remember. I, once in, and I was about 32 then, um, nothing ever came of it. It was kind of the same thing. They take the report. They say, okay, we're going to contact Salt Lake. Is this a bishop? Um, it's a pure individual. Yeah. Let's see. I do hope you're better at math than I am. Come on, uh, you're good at math. Oh, uh, yeah, well, we get it later. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's calculated. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then... There was there was a bishop in um, Ingram member's name. Um, I got excommunicated from the church when I got pregnant. I don't remember. There, there have been a few, but most recent, and I guess the most relevant, would be bishop, uh, President. Okay. Well, there, there was one that. Um, um, where there was a police report. Oh yeah, but that was that was my fault. That was totally yeah. me. But but I mean, when to, well, when when was that? Okay, you that was your headquarters on that one. I did. That was um, 2010. Okay. And I let's see, I don't know who I called. I called church headquarters and asked for information about President Bishop. Um, that I needed to know if there was a church council or anything. Um, I didn't talk to anybody of any authority, just somebody on the phone. Said Receptionist that I, or something like that. Yeah, I don't even remember if I was transferred, but they said that I wasn't entitled to that information. And I don't remember everything I said, but I do know I threatened him. I said that I have a so gun. I know where he lives. The person you were talking to then, like the receptionist or whoever it was, that's yeah. when you said this to him? Yes. Okay. told him I had a gun. And I know where he lives, and I'll shoot that son of a bitch myself. And it wasn't too long after that that the police showed up at the door. 
Where were you living at that time? I apparently it was the townhouse that I had stayed in in between my visits. Okay. To, but I was living in. Okay. Now I've read the police report, um, but in a nutshell, they came and talked to you, a couple cops, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, no charges filed. No. Okay. No, I didn't have a gun. <laughs> I wouldn't have shot him. But it doesn't matter. I, I made that threat. Yeah. I kind of meant it, but not really. I well, wanted information. Looks like there wasn't any follow-up on the police or anything like that after they talked no. to you at one time. No. Okay, then what? After that, now we're talking... Yeah, a lot of things happened. Right. Yes, because after that, I was arrested for shoplifting, and my child was taken, oh, and went were. through this whole... Terrible. It was after the 2010. It was just before. Oh, just I, before. I called Salt Lake before it was taken. It was there with me when the police came. Oh, okay. So it had to be before June of 2010. Okay. And so now we're to 2016 with... Mm -hmm. President, yeah. Okay. So that, it was a it was a year ago. I don't know exactly which month, um, but it was about a year ago, and he was very um, compassionate. But Salt Lake didn't give him anything. I'm confident of that because President Bishop, on the tape when I was talking to him, um, he said that he was never contacted by Salt Lake. No, who said this again? President Bishop in Arizona. Oh, when you talked to him. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then later he called me. <clears throat> yes, so he called you when we were on the phone. Sorry. Yes, yes. He called me to tell me that he remembered. Um, I, so you did answer the phone? Yes. Okay, fine. Uh, well, he call, I called him back oh, you called after him. I was speaking with you. Yeah, okay. I want to know what he wanted. Um, so I called him back and he said that he remembered someone. He didn't know if it was a stake president or somebody... In authority, they called him and asked him specifically about me, and he said it was taken care of. And that was it. Nothing ever, nothing happened after that. In fact, he went on to serve another mission. So he got that call. Uh, after did, I reported it to. In 1988. Yeah. He got a call around there, but he didn't say from who or anything. He doesn't remember who. But um, yeah, he he didn't remember. He didn't even remember if it was a state president or somebody in the church or somebody, excuse me, in Salt Lake. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Now, was this after he so uh, Bishop calls you here on your cell phone? He called me. I was still in Arizona. Oh, you were still down there. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And okay. I had just called Sergeant Nelson mm -hmm. um, and told him what so I did. So just we were finishing. She goes, oh, I get my call. Oh, it's him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And, uh, so then we ended the phone call, right? Okay. And then you called him back. And then I called him back. Mm -hmm. All right. So this takes us up to this week mm -hmm. when, when you call and talk to, to Bob. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you decide you're going to, who tells you to call the police? Is this something that you, how did that all pan out that you ended up? 
I talked to my lawyer. Okay. Um, who is my lawyer for my child custody issue? Okay. What's his name? Uh, his name is. And he lives here. Yes, he lives here. Um, you want his phone number? Um, I don't think we'll be contacting him. Well, I he, has talk, a, he has an office here. He does. Yeah, I talked to his junior. Um, companion, or excuse me, that was a slip of the <laughs> junior attorney there, his name was, um, and said that I should, he didn't know the laws, he didn't know statute of limitations, he doubted very much if, if you know, it was something that could be pursued, but it could be um, civilly, but I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know, because he was so brazen, I wasn't the only one. And so there are other women whose lives have been, it, it, it destroyed me, it did. I have absolutely no confidence in priesthood holders whatsoever. Um, I never remarried. You know, part of that is my childhood, part of that's my husband, and part of that is this, you know, anyway. So you call, uh, you call the MTC, right? No, I call the Provo PD. Oh, okay, all right. Provo PD first. So Provo PD, they transfer the MTC to just follow up on some information. Did I? On on, the, on, on Bishop. That was a long time ago. Yeah, okay. That was about. That was a few days before you. Okay, yeah, a few days before me. And yeah. Then, and then when you wanted to call us, you called Provo PD first because then they transferred it to. Yeah, I didn't know that. BYU would manage the MTC. It doesn't yeah, matter. No, it doesn't matter. You're so they sent me to you. Yeah. And I spoke to you. Yeah. And then that's when we called the county attorney's office once you told me some details on the penetration that uh, rape is one of the you know crimes that is still able to be prosecuted under the laws of uh, statute of limitations. Yeah, so, which I was shocked to hear, but glad. Yeah, that's why we're here. Because well, we can do that. Well, um, President Bishop, and you, and you'll hear this on the tape. He he admits to everything. He admits to the room or the basement room, the storage room, whatever it is. Um, the whole thing with his wife, the blouse. He he called it a dress, whatever. Um, he said that there were other women, but he didn't go into detail. I didn't ask. Um, Did he hesitate when he started? saying all this no. or was he just he was purging saying everything well I told him I said you know repentance my understanding said I don't I don't believe in the church but I believe in the gospel I believe in the book of Mormon I believe in prayer I believe in the atonement but part of repentance isn't that and you and I spoke about that isn't that saying you're sorry to somebody so how could you possibly he said he he repented to and I said, so you told him everything you did? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, then you didn't tell the whole story. You only told part of it. Anyway, I, I was not very nice to him. Okay. In fact, I called him on the When did that happen, when you talked to him? I don't know. I stopped taking notes. Oh, okay. I stopped taking notes. But it's, it's a, recorded. Yes, it's all recorded. So we won't beat you up with that. Since we have the recording. Um, okay, we'll he said that he, he repented and he came clean. 
um, part of, you know, I worked in court for several years as a substance abuse counselor. And I told him, I said, I don't deal with sex addicts and I would not work with anyone like that or a pedophile. But I did work with addiction and I understand addiction is a disease. And that was my opening into, I think he's a sex, or I thought he was a sex addict. Um, and he said, I am, a, yeah, I'm a sex addict. And I called him a predator. I called him all kinds of things. And he said, yeah, I'm a predator. He doesn't have those desires anymore, but he's 85 years old. Mm. And he's really struggled. I think he is sorry, but it doesn't undo all the damage. And it's not just me. There's got to be these other women out there that are, who are destroyed. Well, what did he say about what he's going to do now, just so we get a little bit of insight when we go talk to him? Is he, I think he's thinking about talking to the police? Is no. He anything about, well, the cops are probably going to show up at my door? No. Anything like that? No. I made him think that, that he needed to consider a civil alternative because I didn't want him. I think he went to a state president. I didn't want him to um, I, I wanted to leave it open. He's, he hasn't told anyone yet. He like this woman, his wife died 12 years ago, is, is what he said. and then he married this woman and then they got divorced and now they're getting married again. And he said, her love has healed him. And I said, you are so full of shit. That is a crock of shit. Did he say that she knows? Anything? No, no. In fact, I said, she loves the person that you present yourself as. She doesn't love you. She doesn't even know you. If she Would she marry you again if she knew this about you? He said no. I said, well, what, what part of repentance are you talking about? How, how mobile is he? Is he... Oh. Is he like up and going? Up and going, absolutely. He's not well. He's got... Um, he, he thought he was going to die a couple days ago. Uh, Thursday, I think, when he went in for an outpatient procedure, he'll t he'll tell you about that too. No, he's on his deathbed. He's not. He's mobile. He's healthy, except his heart thing. Does, he have, does this house in Chandler is that his permanent home, or yes. is it a snowbird home? Or? No, it's his permanent home. Okay. Um, he lives in a retirement community. Okay. Um, I'm just getting this information because we're gonna go down and look for him. I, so he, I don't think he will be surprised to see you. Um, I don't think what he's going to do is lawyer up. I think he wants to get it out and get it over with. Mm -hmm. He's only got, he, he may not even live a year. That's kind of what we were talking about. He might be that point in his life now. It's like, man, I'll just, yeah, I'll just talk to you. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I, I might be mistaken. Um, he wrote three books. He told me about um, and he's had some really great experiences and I said you haven't earned those you don't deserve those all the damage you did you know I said I, I told him that the Lord works the spirit works through unworthy vessels we're all somewhat unworthy but I couldn't understand how he'd go to the temple knowing what he did and never so confessing is he, is he um very active right now then? Oh yes, he's the second okay. counselor in his ward primary presidency. Yeah. So, yes. give you the magic wand. 
What do you want to see happen with it? I want him prosecuted. Okay. So you want prosecution. I want prosecution, okay. yes. That's what we got to know. Yes. I don't... You know, I've thought about it. You know, I feel bad for him. I do. Mm -hmm. Because I think he has really struggled with the good part of himself and the bad part of himself. And I, addiction really is a disease. I don't understand addiction. My addiction is Excedrin. And I certainly don't understand sex addiction. I, I just, I don't get it. But I do believe he's repentant. I do believe he wants to clear everything up. But he's got five children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and this legacy of this righteous spiritual man. And I, I, although I don't want to destroy that, The damage he did, not just to me, but to these other women, is, he doesn't deserve that. And, and how often have we come across people that we think are good and wholesome and healthy and whatever, only that they have this dark side? And, and so my question is, does it, does it delegitimize the good parts of him because he has this evil side? I don't know. I don't know, but I think he should be prosecuted. Okay. I don't mind leniency. I don't, but I think there are a lot of women out there who need healing and need to hear what he did. Okay. Let's see. Now he's he's not married, but they're getting married with his new wife or again or ex-wife. Well, he yes. And so is she living there with him? No, okay. she lives in. But not with him. Okay. So currently not married, but they're talking about getting remarried. Yes. Okay. But he has two sons. Well, he has, I think he, he's got five children, but I think two of his sons are... Oh, he told you that? Or? Yes. Mm. Hmm. He lives alone then, as far as you know. As far as I know. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to terminate this interview at, at here... 58.15 is what mine is. The time is 9.48. So that is the recording of McKenna Denson's initial complaint to the BYU Police Department regarding Joseph Bishop. In the next episode, part two, we will play the recording of the interview that the BYU PD had with Joseph Bishop himself when they personally drove from Utah down to Arizona to confront Joseph Bishop in the living room of his own home. That's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.